every day on the big show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time for a little What's Going On, where we check in. Well, usually we check in with the other shows on The Zone Sports Network. We're going to do a little something different today there, Gordo. Uh, Quinn Snyder had his, uh, I guess, post-practice media availability today. How about that? The Jazz uh, actually getting into practice today, Gordon. It's yeah, it's kind I'm of been <laughs> at a premium this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's, whatever they're doing seems to be working. Yeah, right. Uh, but uh, Joe Ingles actually talked about uh, the lack of practice time and, and uh, covered a bunch of stuff this morning with DJ and PK, uh, the Joe Ingles show, every Thursday, usually Thursday. Sometimes it's on Fridays, depending on when they play. But uh, Coach Snyder had his uh, media availability after practice, and our our friend Ben Anderson of KSL Sports asked Coach a question, and he, he dove right into it. And so we thought we'd play the whole thing for you for what's going on today. Let's get to it. Here's Coach Snyder with uh, Ben Anderson. When a couple of days ago, I asked you about just kind of the style with which you guys play and the evolution of your teams. Going back even to your time at Duke and when you played, do you have a particular style of basketball you have preferred or liked throughout history, or do you not look at the game that way? Um, yeah, I, I when we really at Duke, we 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 spaced and we attacked off the dribble, um, and that that was. You know, I, I think the, the, the strength, you know, one of Coach K's many strengths was his ability to adapt. You know, I think that's why he's had so much success, you know, over the years. Um, you know, when I got to the D-League, uh, well, at Missouri, you know, we had, we played more with two traditional bigs, which was an adjustment for me, given the fact that, you know, we were playing with a shooting four at Duke really very, very early, you know, whether it was Shane Battier or Mike Dunleavy. Um, and when I got to, to Missouri, we, we, my first year, we were more of a spacing team. You know, we had a six, four power forward. And, um, and then, you know, part of my evolution as a coach has been the opportunity to see different, different ways to play and different, you know, styles, uh, you know, in San Antonio, the, the first thing I had to do is try to learn, um, you know, their kind of fundamental core motion offense, because that was um, the way that we wanted to play because we had Jan Mahimi. And as we, as a, you know, my second, third year, I can recall, you know, talking to Pop and just saying our, our personnel is so different, you know, uh, that, you know, is it okay with you if, you know, we play differently? And he was, you know, absolutely supportive. And we became really a pick and roll team. And, and we had multiple handlers similar to what we have now. Um, but that was, that was the, way, the way that we played. I remember Malik Harrison, Marcus Williams, Squeaky Johnson, Shane Gadsden, Andre Barrett, um, all these guys that, that could play pick and roll. Um, and I'm leaving a few out. Um, you know, and then the opportunity, you know, when I got in the league as an assistant, one of the things that, that I benefited from the most is not only did I have a chance to work for, you know, Doug Collins, Mike Brown, Mike Budenholzer, um, but it was everybody's first year, 
you know, it was the first year for Coach Collins with the Sixers. It was Bud's first year in Atlanta. It was Mike's first year with the Lakers. So I really got to see, you know, the way that your philosophy as a coach, when implemented, you know, has to evolve and adapt to your personnel. You don't know those things always on the front end. Um, and I also benefited from that in Europe. You know, we, we were more of a half-court team when I was with, you know, Coach Messina at Seska. And, you know, a different style, again, more post-ups. Um, and you see it on both sides of the ball. But, you know, we're talking about offense right now. So, you know, my first year here, I can remember coming from Atlanta and, you know, the rage in the league was pace and space. And, you know, that was not necessarily my expectation, but in the immediate past, that's the way we had played. And um, so getting here and really we had Ennis Cantor, Derek Favors, Trevor Booker, Rudy Gobert, and we were starting two bigs. Um, and that, that was our team. We, we weren't a pace and space team. And I can recall, uh, questions about that. And as I evaluated it, that, that was not the best way for us to play. We weren't going to space the floor. Um, we needed to move the ball and grind through a possession. And we were like a football team, you know, that, that runs the ball. And hopefully in the fourth quarter, we would wear you down and play great defense. And, you know, that was, that, and that was really, you know, that, that style in one way or the other um, fit that team. And obviously, you know, with a Gordon Hayward, um, you know, as Joe developed, we became more of a pick and roll team. You know, we ran a lot of dribble handoffs, but I think we were at the bottom of the league in terms of pace and we didn't shoot a lot of threes because that, again, wasn't the strength of our team. And we tried to be really good at what we did. And to me, that's the important thing. You know, if we'd have tried to run, you know, the Warriors at that point were, you know, redefining the league as far as pace and space and shooting. And that just wasn't, you know, if we tried to play that way against Golden State, that was their game. So, you know, over a period of years, you know, as the personnel um, has changed, um, to me, your job is to try to adapt, you know, what you do to fit your personnel. And the underlying philosophy for me has not changed. You know, I, we talked about being obviously unselfish and ball movement and quick decisions, um, but what those decisions were or are um, does change. So, you know, last year with the addition of Boyan, um, you know, ironically, Faith, we have Faith back, um, but with Boyan and then with JC, you know, and with Mike, uh, our, our style um, was evolving. And I think for a group of guys that has played a certain way for a period of time, you know, with Donovan playing with Ricky Rubio and Jay and, um, you know, Rudy and, and, and that group, you know, that was a different makeup of the team. So we've tried to continue to adjust and adapt and evolve. And I knew how we wanted to play um, at the beginning of last year. Um, you know, we, we struggled offensively at the beginning of last year. I can remember, you know, people wondering if Boyan was going to make shots and if Mike was going to get comfortable. And I, I think it's, you know, it, it's emblematic of those adjustments, both that players have to make. And for me, trying to find the best way to put guys in a position to be successful individually, but also, you know, not, you know, being, being conscious and, 
um, deliberate about how those guys fit together as a group. So um, as that year progressed, I think we got more comfortable. One of the biggest challenges for us has been because we've been such a ball movement oriented team, you know, and playing out of the blender and trying to break the defense down and really generate quality shots, open shots, that as we've progressed um, and, and we shoot the ball so well right now, you know, those teams, those other teams had different strength. This is a strength now. So the question becomes, you know, how can you play to your strengths? And, you know, that, that means kind of redefining uh, for some guys how they've played over a period of years and really helping them understand why it is we're doing what we're doing. I, I think that's a big part of it that, you know, if I've thought it through enough and believe in it, um, you know, it's my job to communicate to the players because saying you're going to do it and doing it and doing it then consistently, you know, are very different things. So, you know, that, you know, the, the players were, were fortunate to have guys that, you know, that are intelligent players that, that, that want to play together because whatever style or system you play, um, you know, guys that, you know, are unselfish, you know, that will move the ball, that will create for each other, you know, in our case, we'll run for each other, um, make an extra pass when that's the case, you know, that allows what you, you know, whatever it is you, you, you want to do with a particular team to, to be much more efficient. And, you know, so now, you know, we, we don't need to be as open to, to shoot. And that's why the emphasis on shooting, because, Oftentimes, you know, a look early in the possession is going to be a better look than we get later in the possession. You know, when you look at all the numbers for us, it's one of the reasons, you know, the more you move the ball, the chances of you making a mistake become greater. If you come down and shoot without passing the ball, you're probably not going to turn the ball over. Um, no different than if you miss, you're going to have more chance for offensive rebounds. But that doesn't mean you want to miss. And so us finding a balance between taking those shots, um, particularly early in a possession and moving the ball is something that I think, you know, is where some growth can continue to occur for us. I'd like us to not pass shots up, um, you know, because when we're driving closeouts, we may not, we may not get a better shot. Um, that said, there's plenty of times um, to make an extra pass. And for our guys, finding that balance um, has been really important. And I, I think that's, that's what's taken time um, and the other thing is recognizing the situations where shots are going to become available. We didn't shoot a lot when people went under and pick and roll, we'd rescreen. We didn't shoot a lot when people switched dribble handoffs. You know, we didn't shoot a lot on pass aheads and transition. You know, we, we didn't shoot a lot. You know, we're taking shots now that I don't think guys felt like were good shots. And to me, the key on that is everybody is giving everybody else on on the team permission to take those shots that no one feels, you know, if George takes a shot, you know, after one pass, you know, Joe's not feeling like what's he doing. And that's the battle. And, and that's the trust. That's, I think the unique thing about this team is they trust each other and they really are, you know, there are, there are shots, you know, it's not one person's shots. So I think collectively that mindset, is something that's really important. So that's a long answer, but it's a pretty comprehensive one. You're darn right it was. Very comprehensive. <laughs> that was uh, that was fascinating. Wow. Uh, yeah. I'm sure glad Coach Snyder took the time to, to lay that out like he did. I think a lot of people, you know, um, 
I think coach comes off as fascinating to a lot of people and, and how his evolution of a coach has, has come to pass. I, I love what he was talking about where you've got to fit what you do around your personnel the best. He went into depth about when he first got here and the, the, the type of basketball that they had to play. I thought that was, I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, this gets a little bit back to what I was asking Locke about yesterday that he sort of made fun of with the playing with joy, you know, and, and these guys, like, for instance, what Quinn said about how each of the players has given permission to their teammates to take the open shot. And I have talked to so many players, even top-level uh, players, and players who have made it to the NBA who did not have that permission and felt – uh, what's the right word? Sort of corralled by that? Unable to be free with it? And I, I'm sure that, that uh, Quinn doesn't want certain players to be launching up threes willy-nilly. But in the context of the offense, if they all feel comfortable taking the shot, then then they'll take it. And it's usually a good shot. So there's no double clutching in their minds. You, you follow me on that, Jake? Yeah, I do follow you. And then what you're talking about is very real where um, players don't feel permission to shoot. All You know, this is a totally different circumstance in a different age. But uh, one of the more impactful moments in our friend Britton Johnson's career is when he got to the pros and he passed up some shots when he was playing for the Magic under uh, Doc Rivers. Mm -hmm. And Doc pulled him aside and just chewed him out, said he was being selfish for not taking the shot, that that's what he's out there to do. And I, I remember talking to Britton about that a bunch because he was just kind of floored by the whole thing because in his previous, under his previous coach, uh, Coach Majerus, that, that was not the philosophy there, you know. And so I've, I've always found it interesting that Coach Snyder really gives the green light to a lot of players on shooting but demands the other stuff too. And I, I think yeah. it's kind of brilliant in that way where and the ultimate example of, of this, in my opinion, is Jay Crowder because he took some shots, let's face it, where we all cringed, right? I mean, I, I don't think I'm being too harsh when I say that. I mean, Jay uh, brought a lot to this team when he was here. But he took some shots. I think that we were all like kind of, you know, really, Jay? That's the one you picked? But the truth is is that Jay did everything else to the max, 100%. You know, defense and scrapping and toughness and all that sort of thing. And it was interesting because Coach Snyder never winced at those shots. In fact, encouraged it in, in post-game interviews and things like that because, you know, you earn those you earn that freedom by doing other things. And I think the rest of the team gets that, right? Like, we're not going to be grumpy. Um, let me, let me uh, Gordon, last post game, Quinn Snyder, when he talked about Jordan Clarkson, I don't know if you remember this moment. You probably do. But he pointed out Jordan's defense. He said, I really uh -huh. appreciate the effort he continues to give on defense. And the uh -huh. rest of the team sees that stuff. They see, okay, so Jordan Clarkson's not Gary Payton. But look at him busted out there. Look at him go after Kemba Walker like that. Yeah, you shoot away. I mean, he has been. He yeah. has been trying right. harder at the defensive end. And, yeah. and I think that that translates like, okay, you know, everybody's going to get some shots up because we're all doing the other things right. And then you don't hold it against the guy for taking a bad shot if that happens, right? You don't you don't hold it against Jordan. You say, oh, that's all right. He's busting it out there. No problem. Get him the next time. And there's not that resentment where it's like, oh, did Donovan take 26 shots tonight? Jeez. You know, there's not any of that with this team. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And uh, circling back a little bit, I remember talking – I don't think he would mind me telling this story, but I, I was uh, – when Matt Harpring was playing for the Jazz, uh, we, we had a little conversation, and he was telling me that he had been at teams prior to coming to the Jazz where he would take a shot, and the coach 
he knew the coach didn't want him to take a shot, even though it was a good shot. Yeah, because Allen Iverson him. wasn't taking it. Well, that just really bothered him that 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 yeah. was that that was the attitude of the coach. I don't think anybody with the Jazz is getting that idea. I suppose, like I said, if Rudy is out there bombing shots away, that that might get somebody's attention. But what 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 we're seeing now with the Jazz is unselfishness. Take the shot if you have it. It's better to go ahead and shoot if, if you have an open shot and miss than it is not to take the shot at all, just like you were talking about with Britain. And, and, and then the Jazz have been crashing the offensive board and sustaining possessions by doing that. And if you halt the offense by sitting there double-clutching, ah, should I shoot? No, I don't know if I should shoot. And, and then the shot clock is winding down, and then somebody ends up with a bad shot. Well, you so, me- you mentioned yeah. Rudy Gordon. Can I can I take off on that thought for a second here? Because sure. Rudy might be the ultimate example of what we're talking about, and not because he necessarily feels the freedom to shoot, but the unselfishness part of it. You know how Rudy has added something to his game pretty much every year, uh, sometimes multiple things, not just one. But one thing he's added this year, Gordon, is when he gets the ball in the pick and roll, and there's someone between he and the basket. We've been talking about his you know signature move or somehow to to beat his guy. You know what he's been doing been passing out to the wing he's been yeah. had his head up and he's moving the basketball rudy's not worried about getting 20 rudy's worried about making the right play and for the first time in his career he's got his head up on the pick and roll and how many guys has he found in the corner gordon we can think about him right i yeah. mean he's making uh, that pass and, and some with very nice passes you know yeah, no doubt. All right, Kalani Satake is going to join the show. Coming up next, stay tuned for the BYU head football coach. But first, let's get out to the zone phone, talk to our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. And uh, unfortunately, Andrew, for a lot of folks, Valentine's Day is kind of a reminder of some stuff that's not going quite right. And you don't, you know, you could do something about that. Yeah, you can. It uh, Up until a few years ago, if you had ED, it was the pill, the pill. And for so many guys, it doesn't work. I read that 40% of men get no result, and 80% of men get side effects with the pill. That's staggering stuff. And then you still have erectile dysfunction the next go-around. It didn't fix anything, whereas Wasatch Medical Clinic really tries to fix the problem. Our acoustic wave therapy opens up very gently blood vessels so that you can achieve 50 maybe 60% more blood flow when the timing is right. That's enough that we can reverse erectile dysfunction. And we've helped so many guys of every age with every kind of health condition get back to more normal function in the bedroom. Treat the problem, not the side or not the symptom. That's what I'm looking for. That's exactly right. The pill is a Band-Aid. It doesn't do anything for you long term. A recent study, by the way, uh, showed that the results from our treatment last at least seven years. I don't think they know beyond that. It could be longer. So, this is a long-term solution, not something you have to go back and repeat over and over. 801-901-8000. That's the number to call. Get on the schedule. Go in and see the doctor. And there's a lot of other incentives you're doing for our listeners today, too. So much for free today with Valentine's Day. Everything coming up. Call us now. And the assessment is free. The exam. You'll spend some time with our doctor. Uh, free little gift that produces instant results in the bedroom. Guys can't get enough of that and even free testosterone to new patients. So a lot of free today. Give us a call now. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, guys. All right, Kalani Sitaki joins the show. Coming up next, stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280, The Zone.
This is DJ and PK. Time to welcome in BYU Offensive Coordinator Aaron Roderick. Well, I don't know that I expect the same type of season as last year, this upcoming season, but something is terribly wrong if you don't win at least 10 games. <laughs> hey, man, I've been hearing that for a long time. Well played, Aaron. I think there were multiple layers of comedy there if you really dig into that. It might have been a subtle <laughs> reference to his Utah days. It's part of the business, though. I think the good thing about Aaron Roderick is he has a full realization of what this business is about. You doing things that should be rewarded but yet they're viewed differently and it's a stressful business high reward high pressure and i think the good thing about him is he understands all of that catch dj and pk mornings from 6 till 10 on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network Is the Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. want to remind you, our friend Sam Emick from The Athletic is going to join us at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. And Tim Lacombe will join us at 5, former BYU uh, and Utah assistant coach. And, of course, my co-host on uh, Jazz Game pre, half, and post. And he did whoop up on us pretty good in the uh, our little playoff NFL pick exercise, Gordon. I'm sure he'll he have something to say about that. He did, and uh, well, he deserves credit. I mean, because we were picking against the, sc- uh, the including the spread and whatnot, and so that was made it more difficult, and things were a little crazy there. So, tip of the cap to Tim. But first, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, he's the head football coach at BYU. He's Kalani Sitake with us here on the Big Show. Hi, Coach. How are you? How are my friends doing? It's been a while since I spoke to you guys. Absolutely, yeah. Coach. We're we're doing great, making it happen. You know, Gordon's at home. I'm here. We're we're uh, we're doing our thing. Nice. Well, I'm at I'm at the office trying to get some work done. You know, while Gordon's hanging out. Does Gordon Gordon have you left the house at all lately? <laughs> I do. Leave, <laughs> I do leave the house on occasion. But you know, when you get to be an old man like me, Kalani, you got to be a little more careful with all this craziness well, going on out there. Whatever we're all doing, let's just keep doing it because the Jazz are winning, and that's all that matters right now. How about that? That's right. First place in the uh, best record in the entire NBA, Coach. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, man. I'm, I'm excited. I can't wait to see them get better as long as they stay healthy. I, I have a good feeling about it this time. Hey, Kalani, i got a question about what we were just talking about. Jake and I tried to predict uh, playoff games, NFL games, straight through the Super Bowl, and we struggled a little bit. Are you any good at predicting games? Do you get a vibe on these things? Not really, because I, I think that it's probably more of a level playing field in the NFL than anything else. Um, I think the way they set it up in free agency and even in the draft and the way the teams work, it, it, it's really difficult. And, and, you know, there's so many different variables that go into winning a game uh, with all three phases of the, of the game. So I, I think it makes it really difficult. And then you take into the X factors like experience and coaching. So, so many different different things, hard to, to 
predict, and that's why I think it makes it really exciting for everyone to watch. Coach, I want to ask you kind of a, a broad question and, and take it wherever you want to go, but now that you've had a little time to excel, uh, exhale after a, a really successful season, how will you remember uh, what, what was such a unique season? Well, I mean, I, I remember just more than anything, the thing that sticks out of my mind is just the, the players and um, their there's just appreciation for the for playing the game, and um, I, I really enjoyed being around them and seeing their their level of commitment. But more than anything, just how much they appreciated everyone that al- allowed them to play the game that they love, and then didn't take anything for granted. So I think a lot of things happened in 2020 that disrupted our whole lives. But it, one one thing that's positive about it, it had us reflect on things that we have to be grateful for and things that we uh, don't want everyone to take for granted ever again. And and I saw that happen with our football team and the leadership take place on our team. And, and uh, now, you know, after the, the year is done, uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, and now I look forward to getting back to it and, and uh, trying to reload and and have a, a very uh, exciting 2021. That's that's what everyone's hoping for. But more than anything, just I'm really proud of the players and the example that they showed to me as a as a coach and, and, you know, they gave me a lot of strength. So that, that's one thing that I, or I can think stick out, sticks out the most for me in my mind. How fulfilling is it for you, Kalani, to watch players rise to the occasion and play at a level they haven't played at before? I mean, there's all kinds of examples of that that we could point at, but one is, for instance, Dax Milne. I mean, this guy's a walk-on, right? I mean, the next thing you know, he's, he's catching every ball in sight and, getting open the way he was? I mean, th- th- this is a, a testament to your program. Well, I think the, the key for us is, is to de- develop the young men and, um, you know, that we see have a huge ceiling and potential and, and then allowing them the opportunity to compete and and and, and, uh, and basically go out there and, and earn it. And so regardless of whether it's scholarship or not, I, I think the having our, our staff focus on recruiting our preferred walk-ons was was key too is just making sure that we had guys that can come in and compete for spots not just go straight to scout team and so i think when everyone knows they have a chance to play i mean it, it look at our team our, our leading rusher was a, a preferred walk-on and our leading receiver was a preferred walk-on so if you're a walk-on on this team right now in in the off season you should be thinking that if you work hard and and if you everything goes well for you that you should be able to if you deserve to be on the field, that, that you have coaches that will put you out there and, and allow you to make plays. And I, I think that's been really helpful for us. And not to um, uh, distract, but a, a lot of our – or just looking at the focus on offense, but defensively we had a lot of preferred walk-on step up and earn scholarships. And, and I'd rather recruit from within, and that's a good sign if you have guys that you feel can you f- feel can fill in the shoes for a lot of production that has left. And I feel that, uh, you know, this spring ball that's about to happen – Looking forward to seeing the, the the new names that people haven't heard from before. Coach Kalani Sitake on with us on the big show. And, Coach, I'm not trying to be a downer asking you about your, your only loss, but that Coastal Carolina game was so unique. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that week and if you're you're happy that you ended up scheduling that? I mean, I'd rather have the result be different, you know, but I, I can tell you that um, I was really happy with the opportunity that we had to play it and, and thankful that – um, our players wanted to. I mean, you know, there's no excuses in it. We we lost the game, didn't play our best, but but you have to give Coastal Carolina a lot of credit for that. And um, you know, it happens. I think more than anything, though, I was really pleased with the way the players handled 
um, the loss and the way they carried themselves after the game, the way that they conducted their lives afterwards. I saw a group that, you know, were, we, we were punched in the mouth and, and had them respond uh, afterwards. Uh, that's exactly what, what they are. They're, they're, they're winners on the field and off the field, and I'm excited the things that they did. Uh, by winning the San Diego State game and then uh, going and, and, and making a memorable uh, moment in, in, the, in the bowl game against UCF. So uh, that's a, a huge indicator that, they, that we have the right guys in the program, the right fit. And, um, you know, I, as much as it was hard to lose the game, I, I was really proud of their effort and the fact that they were willing to, p to keep this thing rolling and that they showed up the, the next week uh, ready to go. And it didn't um, – whether we won or lost didn't, didn't – uh, didn't actually change their demeanor and how they approached the game. They still had appreciation and love for each other, love for the game and what they represent. And that's all you could ask for as a coach. So Kalani, uh, just to reiterate the point, do you think if you'd had more time to prepare for that, that might've been uh, make it maybe some sort of difference in that game or do you, yeah, don't even think about that. No, cause I think it diminishes the, um, how the game went. I think it, it it's, uh, you know, I, I don't want to devalue what, what Coastal Carolina did as a team, so I, I'm not going to look for excuses. And we didn't win the game, and we were one yard short. But I was proud of the way our guys fought in that game, and uh, the result didn't go our way. There's a lot of things that that we wish we could have done differently in that game, and we're going to learn from it. I I really believe that it'll help our program, and uh, I think it'll it'll be something that can help us even going into this spring ball and into the off season and going into the the fall in 2021. So I'm. I'm not really going to look for all those excuses of people. And I, I don't know what people can make them for us and we can make them for ourselves, but let's just, let's just keep learning from these experiences and get better and, and not try to make excuses because I think that, that uh, diminishes the opportunity to learn. Coach, when NFL coaches and scouts give you a call and ask you about Zach Wilson, what do you tell them? The truth, that, that he's a great, great kid, works hard, and uh, I thought he was a gunslinger from the moment I saw him throw a ball. And so uh, I think uh, whoever decides to draft him is going to have a, a great player. And um, I'm just glad he was able to showcase it, you know, and he, everything went well. And I'm glad A-Rod and, and, and Fessy and, and the rest of the staff were able to make things work for him, play his strengths, and uh, he was able to, to do his best. And you see what happens when, when he does that. And just wish we could have seen him play more games, you know, and, uh, the great part about it is that he's going to get drafted, and we feel really happy about him moving on to the next level and, and accomplishing his dreams. But the sad part is that I was banking on him coming back in 2021, but, <laughs> you know, that that opens up another spot, though, for, uh, you know, our quarterbacks to, to compete for the starting spot. It's going to be a lot of fun when that happens. Obviously, Kalani, that's good for your program that, uh, that others, potential recruits, can see that you out of your program comes uh, what might be the second pick in the draft. Who knows? So that's good news. My question to you is, do NFL coaches call you to ask you about players? How does that work? Yeah, we. I mean, we have a lot of scouts um, and coaches that call us, uh, our staff, myself and our coaches, and then and, and, um, ask about players and even inquire on on future guys. That's just that's their business. So they they want to have make sure that they follow guys. And and I, I think I said it before. I think we have a lot of NFL guys on our program in our program right now. And um, it's just a matter of uh, them developing and, and getting opportunity to to show it on the field. And when they do, I think uh, hopefully we just keep this run going where we have a lot of guys that can represent the NFL. And I think 
the NFL needs guys that we have on our team. And I think it's a, it'll be a good partnership. So anytime a coach calls us, we're always open to discuss our players' strengths and weaknesses and things that they think they could get better at and, and answer any questions they may have uh, regarding their ability at the next level. I'm sure you never talked to Andy Reid, right? Oh, man, I try to talk to Andy Reid as much as possible. He's one of the best out there. So, yeah, there's a lot of great coaches that I lean on and great mentors to me, and, and he's definitely one of them. Coach, I don't mean to jump to the conclusions here, but it didn't seem like it was a difficult decision for you to promote Coach A-Rod. No, not, a, not – not, I mean, A-Rod had a strong presence already in our offense and, and had a, a huge um, – influence on what we did as, a, as an offense throughout the last three years and especially this last year so uh, it, it was a, a easy transition for us to make and to get Fessy in a position to have um, a partnership with A-Rod to run that offense I think it's going to be special and having him add Daryl Funk as our line coach and you know working with Steve Clark and Harvey Young I think that, that that's a really good offensive staff looking forward to them you know working this this off season and they've done a great job so far and i mean spring ball is right around the corner so we're excited to get it going kalani one of your strengths has always been to evaluate talent and to put the, that talent in the right place i mean you've done that your whole career do you ex- expect that to continue at byu where you might bring in a guy who's a high school star running back and next thing you know you say no son you're a linebacker yeah i think because humans they grow differently some some are late bloomers and uh, guys can go. I mean, I've seen it where a guy came in as a safety, went on a mission, came back, and was a, a left tackle. You know, so uh, that stuff happens, and, and I think it, it, it's important for us to get the right fit in our program uh, here for the school, and that are excited about the purpose here and the mission here as, as a football player at BYU. And then uh, once we get that going, I think there's a place that we can get them to play. And, and all guys want to be on the field. I mean. My dream wasn't to be a fullback at BYU and block more than I got to run, but um, love being on the field, love playing the game, and that's guys that have to transition. And, and, and if you see coaches wanting to put them in positions where they can have success and possibly make it to the next level, I think everybody understands that. And uh, We have a, a great group of young men here that, that just want to be part of the team and help in the success that we have. And you know, and even our scout team, those guys have a lot of value for us. And so it's just a matter of everyone has an opportunity to develop. And if we have an open a competition in a lot of different positions, and, and those are always up for grabs. A lot of people make a lot of change from one year to the next. And some guys, can the, the, the light just turns on for them going from their sophomore to their junior year. And I think it's important that we have an opportunity for them to earn a spot. You mentioned competition at positions, Coach, and uh, you told us few, uh, several years ago that you would always have competition for the quarterback uh, position. Can you tell us how many hats are going to be in that ring this offseason? Yeah, well, right now it's the four guys that we have, and then we've, you know, we still have a, a group of, of quarterbacks that can, that can play, can throw. Um, so right now we're looking at Jaron Hall and um, Jacob Conover, Beto Romney, and Sojay Mayava as the front runners going into spring to earn that spot and then obviously we'll have to start um, whittling it down to the competition to make sure that we get the right reps to the the right guys but I think the key is to get them in a position where we're just playing a lot of football and uh, making making sure that we got the right guy that can make the right decisions when when the pressure's on them and so trying to simulate a game it's hard to do that uh, without playing football so I look forward to playing a lot of football in spring and then uh, you know just 
play the best guy. That, that's the only way I know how to do it. Kalani, you said when you first saw Zach throw a football, you knew there was something special there. Do you see any of that in any of these guys? I do, yeah. And I think, uh, I mean, there's times where, where you uh, you wish you had more quarterbacks, and now I, I think the the more the merrier for me. You know, let's, let's never be without one. And now we have a, a group of them that can play. And uh, obviously they have um, – uh, similar talent where they, they can they can throw the ball, but they all have their their strengths as well that can highlight them and and maybe catapult them to the starting spot. So uh, it's going to be fun to see these guys compete. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, again, they should all feel comfortable knowing that they're going to get a fair shot at this and and know that our our process is to play the best guy. Well, coach, thank you very much for taking a few minutes for us. Congrats on the great season and good luck with spring. Appreciate hey, Kalani. it. Thanks. Gordon, I, you owe me a steak still. I oh, that's know, going back I, years. I know. It's this pathetic. This steak should be like Fred Flintstone size by now. <laughs> uh, it's going to be like the brontosaurus thing exactly. on the side of the car. Yeah. I'm looking uh, for yeah. one of those, like uh, like four tomahawks combined. <laughs> that's what Something you owe tell- me. <laughs> Something tells me when I take Kalani to dinner, uh, I better bring my wallet. And I better make sure it's fat that day because uh, just bring I'm your pay, black credit right? card. You got it ready to roll. <laughs> <laughs> Kalani, I, can I sneak one more question in? It's just as a, as we hear you talk, and I we heard you talk all season, and it seems to me that you're at a place now that's different than where you were when you first started. I mean, you always knew your football. Yet you still got those notebooks filled with every every play every coach ever told you. But it, it, I know you keep track of that stuff. But, I mean, what's different about you now than, than say, four or five years ago? Well, I think the experience of being a head coach is, is a key. You know, it's – I think I've, I've, I've said it to you before. It's like having kids. You, you can read and study as much as you want on, on being a parent and know all the rules and how you want to do it. And then it's also like when you have your child, it's just like, man – I know this baby is our firstborn. is not supposed to be sleeping in the bed with you. That's what the experts say. But then you just kind of fill your own niche and you you do what what's what you think fits you and your family. And, and then you get a second one. Then you get a third one, and you act differently. You feel a lot more comfortable. I don't know any other any other way to do it than I'm just really fortunate to have a, a guy like Ed Lamb that's been a head coach to help uh, be an, an advisor for me and and a lot of great people that are along the way. So. With all their help and even people that keep keep uh, mentoring me right now, I'm trying to learn as much as I can. I'm feeling really comfortable in this position as a head coach because the time has given me that. And so I appreciate the administration and, and president allowing me to be here for that long to learn some lessons and to get better. And, and you know, I, I'm I'm sitting here. I'm, a, I'm just a, it's a collection of hard work and sacrifice from other people uh, that have worked towards my success. And so I, I'm really thankful for everyone that helped me get here. Uh, media members, everyone that's been out there, and coaches and friends and family that have helped me get here. So I'm, I'm just still trying to learn as much as I can. I owe it to all of them, and and hopefully it'll bring us more success. So are you a fillet or a porterhouse or a, what? What's the steak of your choice? I've never met a steak I didn't like. Okay. Right. <laughs> Two or three of them, huh? As long as it's medium rare, I'm good. <laughs> all right. Well, coach, right. thank you very much. We appreciate you. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Coach. That's uh, Coach Kalani Sitake, head football coach at BYU. Always was, so, so great hoping, to have him on the show. 
I was hoping he'd forget about that. Man, that seriously, that was like five or six years ago. I don't even remember what that was over. You need a you need to pay up. Yeah, seriously. Like and you know time. what? Maybe you let Austin and I tag along because you owe us dinner too. Yeah, I do. Holy cow! It is. Let's make it a up, let's make it? it a group kind of. Something tells me you end up making Austin pay. Oh, that that could happen. <laughs> I I I don't think that would happen. No, no, I don't. Austin, just have the station cover this one, will you? Where are we going? I mean, where, where, what, what, where are we going? Where, where are we going for this? You're, you're the one who uh, is the high class steakhouse connoisseur, the most expensive one. What's that? So it's, it it comes down to a punitive situation. You asked my opinion. I I gave you. I, I know. I was hoping you'd tell me where you, a place that you really enjoy the food, not the place that would cost me the most money. Well, RC's I, is good. Oh, yeah. Well, I haven't been to that many expensive steakhouses. All right, but I better I better start saving up for this. I would if I were you. All right, we want to remind you Valentine's Day is coming up, and the best blanket ever is also the best gift for Valentine's Day. That's right, Minky Couture, and you can get 50% off right now any regularly priced blankets with uh, zone the promo code ZONE50. You can go to MinkyCouture.com and take care of that Valentine's Day gift or visit a location near you, Ogden, Layton, Draper, Orem, Sugar House, and St. George Minky Couture for Valentine's Day. Sam Amick at 4, Tim LaCombe at 5. More Big Show next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. You're locked on to the big show presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. We've got Sam Amick coming up top of the 4 o'clock hour. Tim Lacombe at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. Stay tuned for that. But right now, it's time for a trydaytrading.com market update. Now, anyone can be a day trader. Visit trydaytrading.com. Gordon, how'd the markets do today? The markets today, Jake, a uh, little up, a little down. The Dow was uh, off like seven points, just a fraction. And the NASDAQ was up 53 points. The S&P up six and a half points. So there you have it. Things rebounded a little bit. I heard this morning it was going down because of a bad jobs report. So good they pulled out of that. It's not such a bad day. Yeah, yeah. it was not a bad day, just not a spectacular day. I can deal with a seven-point dip. That's all right. We'll all be right. okay. I can deal with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this I is why I have all, all my assets wrapped up in uh, in uh, a Barbacoa gift cards because they're not so vulnerable to the market. Oh, do you now? And you can, you know, you can uh, – <laughs> 
trade them in for delicious burritos at any time. Uh, yeah, as, as, an inve- as an investment, do you find that somehow that that increases in value? I'm not losing money. <laughs> well, on some days, that's a darn good thing. It's very stable. And you're always going to be hungry, right? Right. That's exactly right. All right, we're going to talk to Sam Amick of The Athletic coming up next. But right now, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, Andrew from Wasatch Medical Clinic. And we're helping out our listeners in the bedroom. What's up, Andrew? Yes, that's right. We are helping so many guys. Uh, When we talk about erectile dysfunction, you know, guys smirk a little. They say, that's somebody in their 90s. But there are a lot of guys in their 20s, 30s, 40s who maybe just want to improve frequency. I've seen a lot of that. Um, our acoustic wave therapy opens up very gently blood vessels over a series of treatments that last about two weeks. That reverses erectile dysfunction. It gets back normal function. And the big attraction, Jake, is a guy doesn't have to take a pill, no injections, no supplements. It's the younger years in the bedroom. And you've got a lot of great science, I know, on your webpage, but you guys are excited about a bunch of studies that are just coming back with great results. Yeah, we are. The way this is headed, uh, the pill will be gone someday, I think. Um, The science page at wasatchmedicalclinic.com, 40 clinical studies and growing, Cambridge University, uh, so many others, they basically conclude the same thing. This works, it regrows blood vessels, and it's totally safe. No side effects have been reported. 801-901-8000, that's the number to call. Get on the schedule, get in and see the doctor for free, and a bunch of bonus stuff as well. A bunch of bonus stuff with Valentine's Day. Call us now. The assessment, basically the initial consultation and blood flow ultrasound with our doctor is no charge. That's pretty cool. A little special gift that you'll like. It produces instant results in the bedroom. And new patients get free testosterone. So a ton of value here. Give us a call now. It's no charge. 801-901-8000. That's the number to call. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you, Jake. All right, coming up next, Sam Amick. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.